This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, and thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm actually recording this episode on the week that it goes out. I'm just recovering from COVID at the moment. I've been um, pretty much bedbound actually for the past week. So I'm um, recording this first thing in the morning when I've got my, my energy levels were their highest. Um, so yeah, really excited to be here and talking to you. I wanted to record an episode taking you through the steps in the product creation process. Um, I know that often in conversations with guests and solo episodes that I do, we often just touch on pieces of this. So I thought it might be really useful for you to put all of those pieces together and have an overview of the entire process. As I record this, I do actually realise that over the past year, I've spent much more of my time on some elements in this process than others, which is quite an interesting realisation for me, actually. Um, But anyway, this will be a fairly brief run through Um, in the show notes for this episode, which you can find wherever you're listening. So whether that's on my website or in a podcast player, um, if you click on either details or information, you can hopefully find the show notes. If you ever have any problems accessing these, please do let me know and I can point you in the right direction. So in those show notes, there's going to be links to other relevant podcast episodes and blog posts that go into some of the things that I talk about in much more detail. There are actually so many resources um, for this episode for you to look at, um, depending, you know, what area you're at or anywhere you're stuck or anything you need to find more information on. So hopefully whatever point you're at, if you have any questions, um, there'll be a resource somewhere that will answer it. And of course, if not, you can always contact me directly, vicky at vickyweinberg.com that's Vicky with an I um and I also should say that this process might look a bit different for you depending on your product so for example if you're making your products yourself some of these steps I talk about won't possibly be relevant um but I still think there will be something in this episode for everyone so with all that said I'm just going to start talking you through the steps So something I think you need to do very early on in the product creation process is define what your product is and who it's for. And I think this is really something really important to think about. And it sounds really obvious, but sometimes just putting on paper, what is your product? What problem does it solve if it solves a problem? And who's it for can be really useful. I did an episode last year talking about your USP or unique selling point. And I think this is absolutely 
key. Um, and it might be, by the way, that you don't know what your USP is right now. You might be listening to this and thinking, Vicky, I've got absolutely no idea. But that's fine too. These steps that I'm taking you through don't need to necessarily be in the exact order. Um, I, I kind of struggled a little bit with ordering them and then just thought, you know what? Everyone's process will be slightly different and some people will do things in a different way. Um, so I've just kind of gone with what seems logical, but don't get too hung up on that. Please don't, because you really don't need to. Um, and if you don't know what your unique selling point of your product is or you're not sure exactly who it's for um don't worry you can work this out during your research you don't you don't have to know everything right now these are just good questions to start thinking about at the outset and if you're thinking actually i don't have a usp well you know i i think i'd argue that every product does even if the usp is you so let's say you're making your own products let's say you're an artist or you make jewelry maybe what makes your products unique is you um there's something about the process you use or the materials or just the fact they're made by you and not somebody else you are your usp because whatever you are creating is not going to be identical to someone else's because everyone has their own processes and does things differently so yeah don't get please don't get too hung up on this these are just things i want you to think about at the beginning something else that i think is really important to do is validating your product idea so what i mean by this is talking to people who might buy your products your potential customers and finding out what they want and what they need from products like yours. So obviously knowing who your customer is, is key. Um, It makes it a lot easier to make sure you were talking to the right people. I've actually spoken about validating your ideas a lot. I'm really keen on this. I even have a free guide with some free ideas and a whole podcast episode on this when I actually spoke to an expert in customer research. Um, And and this is a really important step and please don't miss this. Um, You've probably heard me say this before, but please don't just ask your friends and family if they think your idea for a product is a good one. So that when I talk about validating your idea, I don't mean find some people to tell you that it's good because, well, for a few reasons. One, if you're asking your friends and family, it might go one of two ways. So it might be that they say they say what they think you want to hear, you know, they care about you, they want to be supportive. So they'll say, yes, this is a brilliant idea. This is a great product. I'd buy this. Loads of people want to buy it. Or they might be overly cautious because, you know, depending on their personality and they might think, oh, this is a bit bit risky. And then they might sort of put you off a little bit. And I'm definitely not saying don't listen to the opinions of your friends and family. And I'm not even saying don't speak to them. But what I am saying is the people whose opinions you really need to take into account are the people who potentially would buy your product and it might be that actually you are your ideal customer so perhaps you're you know you are a parent and you're creating a product to other parents you might think well actually I know all about this because you know I am someone who would buy my product even if that's the case please 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 do speak to some other parents in this example in the same situation hopefully you'll know lots of them and get their opinions too if you don't know the the kind of people who might buy your product in real life maybe you can find them in Facebook groups or in other online groups or even offline groups now that networking and other events are starting up again Um, and I'm not suggesting you do anything as formal as a focus group but I think you know asking questions like if you were buying a product like this what would it need to do or be to meet your expectations you can also ask you know have you ever bought a product like this like let's say 
you're looking to launch a product for new parents say right just use another example let's say candles because i can use this throughout the episode let's say you're looking to create a range of candles you can start asking people do you buy candles what sort of price do you pay for them what are you looking for when you're buying them what scents do you like um how do you like them to look you can ask all kinds of questions and you can also do all of this without giving too much away if your product is something that you think actually this is a bit sensitive let's say you've got a really original idea and you're a little bit worried about someone else potentially taking that idea maybe it's an idea you think you might need to patent and I should mention I have an episode coming up all about this topic that will be really really useful so if that is you hold on a few weeks because this episode is really going to help you but um, and maybe you know you're not looking to patent your idea maybe it's just that you want to keep it a bit close to your chest that's fine you can you can obviously do that um although there are the, to be honest though the best way to validate your idea um and I know this goes against what I've just said but depending on your product you'll know which of these approaches is best for you um but for some products the best way to validate your idea might actually be to see if anyone would actually pay for it because if people will actually give you money for your product that's kind of you know that's a really strong endorsement so you know you might take pre-orders you might organize a small initial batch like let's say you make jewelry and you're thinking of branching out to a different type of product maybe you make a few you try and sell them you see if people buy them you get feedback from them and um, you take it from there asking for money is actually the best way to check if someone will actually buy your product as I say I have other episodes and blog posts all about this topic it is quite a big topic there are so many ways to validate your ideas I should also mention I have an episode coming up about crowdfunding if that's something you're interested in because of course that's another way of validating your idea by seeing if people are willing to pay for it and of course by them paying for it they actually help to fund your idea but again I'm not an expert in crowdfunding which is why I'm speaking to an expert so that episode is also coming up in the next few weeks so keep an eye out for that one too and then as well as looking at thinking about your customers and thinking about what their needs are for their product and, and what they want for it it's also really important to carry out some market research and look at other products that are actually out there already so this is really easy to do online um i don't know how many of us are actually going into shops at the moment if you are that's great but if you're not um you can do this kind of research online really easily and in fact it's it's a little bit easier online anyway because not so much for getting a feel for the product but for getting an idea of what you know people think about it so for example i like looking on amazon i probably won't surprise you because for many reasons but one is that there's just so much information there if you um if you're selling a product that you think might end up on Amazon at some point it is a really good place to look and even if you're not um, there were so many reviews which is really helpful you can also get an idea of the price that people are paying for products as I say reviews are absolutely valuable they'll tell you so much they'll tell you what people like about products they'll tell you what they don't like um and something else you can do as well is maybe even buy a few products to look at and you can always return them if you keep them in good condition I'm sure I've shared this before but when I launched my first product I ordered some similar ones online so I could photograph them and I actually kept them for a little bit longer as well in fact I I'm not even sure if I did return all of mine in the end I'll explain why a bit later on um but I think that's a really good thing to do and if your products are handmade then maybe Etsy is a better marketplace to look at again there are lots of reviews on Etsy um it's just a really good idea to have an idea of the market so is your idea original or are lots of people 
selling something very similar to your product already and if they are that isn't to say that you shouldn't sell it but is there something you can do to your product to make it different to everyone else's this is coming back to the usp again so let's say you're selling a certain type of earring on etsy and you can see there are people selling similar earrings already is there something you could do to yours to make yours different so whether it's the size the materials you use whether they're gold or silver or um, maybe the production processes that you use to hand make them there's all kinds of things Um, and this is again coming back to reviews while reviews are great because it might be that you look at products very similar to yours whatever marketplace you're looking on and you see some reviews and you see people are saying oh um, I don't know this is too small or all the material is really scratchy or um these earrings hurt my ears or I don't know what the thing is or this candle um smell you know has a certain smell or it brings off smoke or I I don't know what the thing is these are just some examples off the top of my head but you know you can use what people are saying about products similar to yours to help refine yours and get it the best it could be and once you've done all of this research um and I appreciate that I've gone through this very quickly but I'm not suggesting this is a quick process but I do think it's something worth spending the time on I know it might seem a bit like overkill but I promise that it is worth it and then you can use what you've done then to make your product the best it can be and kind of finalize you know the specification for your product so the questions I think you could give some thought here are you know how does my product meet my customers needs and it might be that the needs of your customer are just I don't know, something, you know, maybe you make jewellery and the, all your customer wants is, you know, they're looking for something to to make them feel more polished or to liven up an outfit or just to make them smile and happy. Whatever that thing is, it doesn't need to be particularly deep, although some products, of course, do solve a particular need. Um, I have a guest on in a few weeks who's talking about a product they made to help um, feed babies with feeding pro- problems. You know, that's a very that product solves a very distinct need if yours doesn't then that's not a problem and um, as I spoke about earlier it's also thinking about how can you improve on the products already on the market if there are any Um, and maybe it's not even improve actually maybe I've used the wrong word here maybe it's more about just making your product distinct but it's coming back to that USP again so if you are writing a specification because you are looking for somebody else to manufacture your product you need to make sure that it's detailed enough that you're giving a potential supplier everything they need to be able to quote for your product correctly. You don't need to share designs or anything that's confidential, give it all away at this stage, but they will need to know some basic details in order to give you an accurate quote. And even if you're making your products yourself, I still think a product specification will still be helpful. So you may have to source some ingredients or components. So for example, if you make candles, you might need to source jars or scents and it's always good to have this it will also come in useful when you're writing your product description a bit further down the line and of course if you're making something creative so art or jewelry perhaps you work in sort of more intuitively um, and maybe you don't need a specification um, I'll leave that to you to you to judge because you know your products and you know yourself and your processes I think for lots of us having something written down even if it's just the materials you use um, rough sizes helpful components um but if that isn't for you then you know like I say this isn't like a set in stone formula that will apply to everyone because we're all different our products are all different um this is more like a template for you to use as 
you know, as is relevant and appropriate for you. I think at this stage, it's a good idea to think about whether you need a patent or any other kind of protection for your product. As I said, I'm not an expert here and it's actually next week's episode is going to be with an inventor, Mandy Haberman, and she has lots and lots of information to share on this. If you have any kind of product where you think actually someone might copy this or um, I'm worried that someone else might try and replicate what I'm doing, please listen to this episode. It really is one not to miss. So the next thing I like to do, and as I say, this works, this is different for everyone, but this is the stage where I like to make a decision on what I'm going to price my product at. And there's a reason I like to do this now. Is it because in my opinion, I think I'm more likely to get it right if I do it now, because I've just done lots of market research and I've just asked lots of customers their opinions. So I know what my competitors are charging. So I know where my product fits against theirs. So for example, you know, there's, for most products, there's going to be a ballpark, fix, you know, where the products will fit inside a certain range. Maybe it's between 15 and 20 pounds, let's say, depending what you're selling. So based on the specification for your product, you should know where, where in that, you know, where in that ballpark your product fits. So let's say your product is made of more premium materials than your competitors. You know, you're probably going to be at the 20 pound end of that scale. Whereas if you're you know deliberately trying to simplify your products maybe you're using different materials maybe the production processes will be simpler maybe there's going to be components of your product that aren't there maybe the packaging is going to be simple whatever it is maybe you think okay I can price at the lower end um I think this is a really good time to do this because you have all of this information I think the danger of pricing your product later is then you're a bit biased based on the production price or perhaps your time if you're making the products yourself and you know there's not really a production price of course there's a cost of materials because then you're pricing with the aim of making a profit and the price that you choose might not be viable so let's say you are let's say even you're making your product yourself and you've got all the cost of the materials and you've worked out how long it's going to take you to do this I actually spoke to somebody on a podcast episode and I apologies I've spoken to so many people I forget who it was that was, te- was telling me that they were making cards and apparently you know cards you know they, they were made out of card and then they were laser cutting or by hand cutting out shapes in the card so obviously the card probably doesn't cost very much to purchase I assume I don't know that's just an assumption however she was explaining that the time it took her to make one card um when she looked at what you know what she would have to price the card at it made no sense at all because I think it was something like a couple of hours to make one card now there's only so much you can charge for a card isn't there um there is an upper limit and actually it just wasn't going to be worth her time however if she'd gone the other way and she had worked out okay it's taken three hours to make this card and the materials cost this and my time is worth this amount an hour I'm gonna you know she might have ended up saying okay I'm gonna charge 60 pounds for this card I don't know what people's hourly rates are this just to figure out the air but obviously no one's going to pay 60 pounds for a card um and that is kind of the danger of pricing the other way around I'm using another example let's say you go to a supplier to get a quote to make your product and the supplier says oh it's going to cost 10 pounds a product and you know that on Amazon let's say you're looking on Amazon and everyone else is selling similar products for between 10 and 12 pounds and then you're thinking well I'm going to have to charge more than £12 because with the fees I'm not going to make a profit and then before you know it you've got the most expensive product in that category 
you're you know you're charging 15 pounds simply based on your production price but no one's going to pay that 15 pounds because your product isn't actually that different from the one that's priced at 12 pound that already has reviews etc i'm not sure if i'm making this complicated but what i'm basically trying to say is if you do make your pricing decisions now when you get prices so either you work out the cost of materials and the time for you to make your product or you get quotes on suppliers you can see if a profit is possible um really early on and if not then you know you can do something about it so you could perhaps try other suppliers whether that's for materials or to make your product you could perhaps look at sourcing your product in a different country like let's say you were looking to have it made in the UK and you find out actually that's not viable you then can make a decision are you happy to source your product overseas which we'll talk about a bit more later can you tweak your specification could you use different materials is there something you can do or it might be that at this stage and I really hope this doesn't happen but it could be that at this stage you go actually this just doesn't work because when I look at the costs and when I look at what I can sell it for I'm just not going to make a profit and um, I really hope that doesn't happen and if it you get to the stage and that does don't be despondent because you've had one product idea you're really likely to have others so please don't give up so the next thing I think is to do and as I say don't have to stick to this order is to speak to designers and think about branding and logos um this is definitely optional depending on what your product is but I think you'll likely need a logo at the very least so even if you're selling um sort of handmade products on Etsy most of the purchases I make on Etsy you do get a little sort of thank you card or something with a logo on there um and that's possibly something that you can do yourself um I use 99designs for my logos and branding. Um, I had an episode very recently with Cara Benden, who's a branding expert who talks about the importance of branding. That's definitely one to listen to. Um, And yeah, I know that at this stage, it might not be possible to spend a lot of money on having a brand created and everything designed for you but I think as a starting as a starting point even if you do use a tool like I keep saying Canva but I think Canva is great a free tool like Canva and do something yourself um, that could definitely be an interim measure and then further along the line perhaps you could redo your branding um I know how you know I I definitely know how it is when you start out there's so many costs there's so much you have to pay for and you definitely don't have to do everything at once when I started this consultancy for example and I know it's different because it's the consultancy is a service business but I actually did my branding pretty cheap I had a logo done and then I sort of worked out the rest myself and it's only now in the you know couple of years in I've actually paid for a, a full rebrand because I was at the point where I felt my business was established enough and it sort of felt like the right time um I should say as well if you are looking to have a product that's going to have a particular packaging so for example it's going to come in a nice box or a bag or or whatever it is that might be worth investing in someone to design it for you because packaging design is quite a skill and not something that all of us will be able to do so just want to put that out there but obviously this will all depend on your situation so I think you then a good thing to do is start to think about where you'd like to source your product or perhaps components to make your product if you're making them yourself um I and I put ideally in brackets here because what I mean by this is um it really depends on what you're looking to sell 
because you can't get everything in the UK. So not everything is made in the UK and not everything can be sourced in the UK, assuming you're listening to this from the UK. Um, I did a whole episode on sourcing your products in the UK versus overseas. I think it might be a little bit out of date now, if I'm honest, after Brexit and all the supply delays and things have changed a lot actually since I recorded that. Um, I probably need to do an updated episode on that soon. But I think it's worth weighing up your options here. Um, and perhaps looking into multiple scenarios. So for example, if you are looking at something that you can get made or sourced in multiple countries, it might be worth looking into more than one. And then you can compare cost, you can compare quality, lead times, and then make a decision. Because I do think this can be something that people get a little bit overwhelmed by. I know I certainly did um, at the outset. And when I was looking to source my first product, I was really a bit baffled by the whole thing and where should I get it made and in the end my first production run was in China because that seemed quite accessible I used Alibaba which is a sourcing platform which made it quite easy Um, I then looked at moving my production to Turkey after that Um, but for me sourcing in Turkey initially just didn't feel as accessible and actually that only became an option once I started networking and I started meeting people and they introduced me to their suppliers and that's how that became possible but so that's the other thing to say with this actually is you're not making a decision forever so if you decide actually I want to make my products in the UK um, and you do that and then you find out actually the costs aren't working and you need to look at sourcing them somewhere else you can do that you can change your production Um, don't think that the decisions you make now you know you have to stick to forever and ever because you really don't so once you've had you've got an idea of where you're going to be looking, it's then starting actually looking for suppliers. And as I say, remember this applies to all your components, your packaging, maybe your ingredients. So if you're using candles, making candles, for example, is there one type of essential oil or wax that's better for your product? So it might be you're looking more at the actual product and the the suppliers but you need to start doing some research again I did a whole episode on this because it's a really big topic my main advice here is to be really thorough Um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with using google to find suppliers to verify if they're actually real companies you know you can get google reviews now you can get reviews for most things can't you Um, and you can also work for sourcing agent if you feel a bit overwhelmed by actually doing this yourself you can find sourcing agents online you can find them on platforms like people for hour um fiverr probably um you might not want to do this um you know if you whoever you do work with obviously you need to make sure that they've got great reviews themselves um but using your networks is another really good tip here as well as i said i found a new supplier when I wanted to change production for my first products by some through someone I met at a network um I have a client who's managed to find a sourcing agent to work through through one of her networks so I think I've spoken about this before haven't I the importance of networking and connecting with people doing similar things to you it might be that people actually don't want to share their supplier information and that's fair enough because they've worked really hard to build to find that supplier and build that relationship but then again there will also be people who are happy to share that with you um and as long as you you know you're not expecting anyone to sort of start sharing their you know sharing these things with you if you ask from a place of you know knowing that there's a very good chance they won't actually be happy to share and you're comfortable with that then by all means by all means ask um 
so once you've started you know perhaps you've got a list of suppliers that you think okay these all look really good I'm going to start contacting them then you need to prepare some sort of communication um if you're looking just for components or ingredients then you probably you may not need to do this but then again you might and you'll you'll know that better than me um I should say that there's an episode on this and I'm sorry because I've said that quite a lot this episode um so what you're looking for here basically is a brief so tight that anyone looking at it knows exactly what you want and we I spoke about this a bit early when I sort of spoke about finalizing your specification um you also need to ask any sort of deal breaker questions that you really need to know so if there's anything that would prevent you from working with someone so let's say it's minimum order quantity let's say you only want to order a hundred of something and if they say you have to order a thousand then they're not the supplier for you um make sure you ask that if you need them to be able to package your product in-house and that's a deal breaker ask that I don't suggest in your initial communication asking loads of questions I'll be honest I used to do this um but you know it's a process and you learn but what I've learned actually is at the outset it's kind of more important to ask your you know one to three key questions um because a lot of a lot of it is about relationship building and yeah I think it's definitely worth um you know there is going to be a back and forth there should be a bit of conversation so I think at the outset when you first start reaching out to suppliers I think the first thing is sort of working out okay who are the ones that aren't going to work out kind of almost disregarding those I don't know if that's a harsh way of saying it but um yeah that that's kind of the main the key of when you first start reaching out to people it's going okay of all of these people who is not going to work for me and then there'll probably be a handful that you can then you know move forward with so let's say yeah you started contacting them I'll be honest this is where it gets real this is where it gets scary start sending those specifications out see what comes back if you are looking to source products that say you're listening in the UK and you're looking at UK suppliers um, I do think it's worth emailing them because even if you phone in my experience most people will say actually could you send that on email but if you're comfortable I would also follow up with a phone call it just gives you um, a really nice opportunity to find out more about the person you'll be working with um, a bit easier to build a relationship it's also always easier to ask questions on the phone than it is to go back and forth on email it's always a lot quicker um, of course if you're looking to source overseas that might not be possible um, I suggest at the outset so let's say I always suggest you contact us but I should say this actually I always suggest you contact quite a lot of suppliers because it'll be you'll be amazed at how many just aren't going to work either because they can't meet your spec or you know for various other issues um so an issue I've encountered when sourcing products abroad sometimes is communication so sometimes that might be a language barrier so it might be that I feel the person I'm speaking to perhaps doesn't fully um understand what I'm looking for or it might be that they take a long time to respond to me and that obviously can happen wherever you're sourcing it might be you know you send an email and it's been two weeks and you haven't heard anything back so possibly you know that isn't a good indication for a positive long-term relationship so I suggest disregarding all of those people initially and because like I said we are looking for long-term relationship and I also would say right at the outset um disregard anyone who can't meet your spec and I know this might sound really obvious but I think it can be really easy to get swayed so you've spent all this time you've spent you've done loads of research and then you've got this specification for your product you know exactly what you're looking for 
it's amazing how easy it can be to get you know to kind of get a bit knocked off course here so for example my first product was 100% bamboo swaddles and I when I started contacting suppliers I got a lot of people come back and say oh I can't do 100% bamboo but I can do 80% bamboo 20% cotton for example or I can do organic cotton and the amount of time I spent thinking oh would 80% bamboo work does it have to be 100% or does it have to be bamboo anyway could it be cotton um which is really silly because I'd spent so much time coming up with my ideal product, writing it down. And then just because somebody who looked good online was saying, oh, actually, I can't do this, but I can do this. I was then questioning it. Um, don't do that because you know exactly what you want. Please don't get swayed unless it's something, you know, different. You know, for example, somebody says, you know, you're looking for a certain production method, let's say. And someone comes back and says, actually, I can't do that production method, but I can do this one. And this is why I think it would be good. And this is why I think it could work. Um, you know, perhaps they suggest a, a screen, um, sorry, a printing method that's perhaps um, cheaper than the one you were thinking of. You know, then that's something to weigh up. But the core of what your product is and does and is made of I would say don't don't be swayed on that um it is time to be ruthless being ruthless is not in my nature that story that I shared with you just now probably really makes that clear um oh yeah I wasn't very good at this when I did it the first time around I obviously got better as I went along but the first time I went outsourcing products I have to say oh I don't think I was great at um of disregarding anyone I just was too nice and was like oh I don't really want to say no to you but you can't can't do that so the next thing to do or one of the next things to do as I say I keep saying even though I say it's the next thing don't be beholden to this order is to narrow down a few suppliers you know you found a few people that you think you could work with the price looks good what they can do looks great you think they can meet your spec narrow it down to a few and then order some product samples I always suggest ordering two, two to three samples um, from suppliers that you feel that you'd feel happy placing an order with, assuming that your sample is up to standard. So even if you're just looking for materials to make your product or components, or perhaps you're even just looking at packaging, let's just say you're making your products yourself, but you're looking to package them in a specific type of box or envelope, um, please still order samples. It's so important because every kind of you want every piece of your product to be to be great um I know I've shared this product before but my first product was actually a really good product but the packaging wasn't up to scratch because I never ordered a packaging sample and didn't realize how flimsy it was and my boxes were literally falling apart which meant the products inside were getting ruined I had no idea this was going to happen um I got lots of complaints as you can imagine and returns and that could have been avoided if I had just paid a little bit more money to get a packaging sample Speaking about money, um, some people will charge you for sample, some won't. Um, if you're ordering sort of sort of materials to make your products, it's possible that you will have to pay for them. If you are looking for a product sample that's customised, so you're not just looking for a, a supplier to send you something similar they've made for another customer, you're actually looking for something bespoke, there will likely be a fee for that. If you're just happy to have, you know, a sample of their previous work, then some suppliers will send you that for free or maybe they'll ask you to pay shipping. It really, it really depends. Um, and then when they arrive, you need to compare the samples you have 
with each other so it's great comparing like for like or as you know it's just the easiest way if you have similar products at home or perhaps you ordered similar products when you were doing your research at the outset you can compare to those two um I mentioned earlier that some of the sample competitor products I brought I kept hold of and the reason I kept hold of them is because I wanted to compare them against the samples I was getting just to see how they held up um if your product is something that you can use or wear then do it so you know wear it wash it play with it whatever it does um use it and see how it stands up to day-to-day use so you know if you want to basically find any potential issues before a customer does so yeah any product samples you have you actually want to use them maybe you can ask other people to use them maybe you can show them to other people perhaps if there's something you know you can't decide between two samples there's something you're not sure about maybe you can ask other people for their opinions if it's something visual maybe you can share on social media if you feel comfortable doing that and ask people do you like this or this obviously it all depends on on the you know what your product is and does um but I think any input you can get from your ideal customers at this stage is a really good thing um if you are sourcing abroad you will then need to figure out how to get your products here um again there is a whole episode on shipping which is really worth a listen um shipping is a minefield there's a lot to get your head around if you are looking to source your product abroad i think this is an episode really worth listening to um you might want to think about shipping before you actually place an order um because if you are looking to ship from overseas the shipping terms will impact on your final product cost and obviously this is something you'd want to know before you commit to ordering um, which is why I mention it now and then let's say you have chosen a supplier based on the samples you've looked at you've worked out how you're going to get your product to you um it's decision time and it's time to order if you're ready which is super exciting um and this is actually the point as well where say you wanted to haggle a little bit on price I say haggle negotiate is probably a better word on price or order quantity this is probably the time to do it in my opinion because you've been having some conversations with suppliers perhaps you've ordered samples of their product they kind of know that you're in you know that you are is something you're you're genuinely interested in I personally think that's there's no better time to actually sort of talk about you know can is there any leeway on the price or is there any leeway on the amount I order because they know that you're genuinely interested whereas if you go to them at the outset and you ask for a price you know the very first you know one of the first communications you have and then they say oh this is the price and then you say can you do it cheaper I don't really feel that they're going to be that incentivized to give you a better price they don't know you probably everyone or most people you know that contact them you know have these kind of conversations there's no relationship whereas I think if you you know you've seen their product you're happy with it you've been having some conversation you're starting to build a relationship I think that is definitely the best time to ask for some sort of discount or negotiation on quantities if you need that um, and then another thing might be is they might actually the supplier might actually say well no I can't do that but what you could say is okay are you prepared to give me some sort of discount or quantity change or whatever it is on my second order um, I've seen that happen quite a bit as well because not sometimes suppliers might be worried okay we can give you a really good price and you might make one order from us then you'll never come back um but perhaps you can agree and you can always have this in writing that when it comes to the second order the price will be slightly reduced or the quantity will be reduced whatever it is you're looking for um speaking about 
shipping you know coming back to this it's now quite a good time to think about where and how you short store and ship your product um you need to have a bit of a plan for this so will you store products yourself in your house in your garage um will you send your products to customers yourself how will you do this will you go to the post office every day will you have royal mail come and collect from your house will you use couriers will you use a fulfillment center it's you know it's time to start thinking this kind of thing through it it might depend on the marketplace you use for example if you use amazon there is the opportunity for amazon to store and distribute your stock for you although a tip i have here is if you are thinking of using amazon fba which is what amazon calls this um i would not send 500 units to amazon's warehouses um, because if your products don't sell as quickly as you'd like that's an awful lot of stocks out there and also if you want to sell on on multiple channels and we'll get onto channels in a minute sales channels um if all your stock is tied up in an amazon warehouse you wouldn't believe how hard it is to actually get it back i say hard it's not the process isn't actually difficult but you pay for it and it takes a long time so if you have all this stock sat in an amazon warehouse and then you decide at the weekend you're going to do a farmer's market um you might find yourself stuck because you might not physically be able to get your products in time um yeah do you know actually something that happened to to, to me I don't know if I should really admit this is I needed I I was in the same situation I was doing a baby show and all of my products like all of the things I'm saying don't do I'm I'm basically saying them because I did them and I know it's not great I sent all my products to Amazon they were all in I had probably thousands of units in an Amazon warehouse I decided to do a baby show and I needed obviously stock I had I had a bit at home but only so much I needed more um and I went to Amazon to request some stock to be sent to me and it said it was going to take two weeks and I needed it in like three or four days. So what I had to do is pretend to be a customer. Well, I was a customer. I basically went onto the you know, the Amazon site we all shop on, ordered however many of all my products and got them sent to me via Amazon Prime so they'd be at my house the next day. Um, but of course that meant that well, one, I was paying for my own products and then I was also having to pay the Amazon fees for dispatching them. And yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't great. So that's why I say don't do that because <laughs> it's, yeah, not a good idea. So talking about um, sales channels, let's think about where you're going to sell your product. Um, there's obviously, there's an episode on this. Just assume everything I say, really, that there will be an episode for this. Um And in that episode, I go through lots of different marketplaces and talk about the pros and cons. If you haven't yet decided where you're going to sell your products, I really think it's worth listening to. Um, And do take some time thinking about where you're going to sell your products, because as you've likely heard me say before, not all marketplaces are right for every product. Um, If you're selling handmade products, for example, you're possibly going to have could do better on Etsy than you are on Amazon let's say although that does depend on exactly what you're making um but yeah there, there will be marketplaces that be better from you than others there are lots of niche marketplaces out there so marketplaces for parent home business marketplaces for sustainable products for example um and when I say marketplaces I'm talking about online of course, it might be that you have, you know, you don't want to sell your products online. Perhaps you're looking to wholesale your products. Um, if you are, then do please listen to the episode I did with Therese all about 
wholesaling um, I think that would be a really useful one to listen to and a good place to start um, and I also have an interview with Sasha from Cheeky Zebra who talked about wholesaling her cards and how wholesale is now a huge part of her business so that's also something else to listen to um, but wherever you're going to sell your products in my opinion a simple website um, is a good place to start so a simple website and one other marketplace I think is really good I don't think you need to be everywhere on day one I don't recommend it um, a website is good for many reasons and yes there is a there is um, a web there is um, an episode on that as well okay so we're almost there I promise the next things to think about doing is okay so you've worked out where you're going to sell your products so maybe you have a website you're getting built or you're building one yourself you definitely can build one yourself if you are and it's for e-commerce I recommend Shopify because it, it like it really is a sort of all-in-one website builder all the payment stuff's built in personally I found Shopify really easy um and yes there's an episode about Shopify as well um as I said there really are episodes and everything I'm finding out as I as I write this um so you know when when your product's on the way this is really the time to get set up to do some research to figure out how to get your listing online um so amazon for example isn't always easy to get started on so i would give yourself lots and lots of time so you're not up against a deadline um i have loads of resources specifically for amazon how to get set up on amazon things to think about how to create a great listing it's it's all there um and i'll link to that obviously in the show notes if you're looking at selling on etsy then i did an episode on with anna pantelli she was on the podcast it might have been last year now actually but it's a great episode she's a really good person to follow on instagram um, and she also has some courses opening soon she has so much knowledge on etsy so i do recommend taking a look at anna um, wherever you're going to be selling your products, you'll need to write a product description. It's really important that you write this for the marketplace you're selling on. Um, and obviously that will be different for each marketplace. If you're writing, if you're selling on Amazon, for example, which as you know, I know very, very well, there's a set format for product descriptions you need to follow. Um, you, it's also really important wherever you sell your products that you do keyword research and that again will be different for every marketplace if this is something that's completely you know feels you know very complicated and because this is a really important thing to get right my advice would be use an expert find someone who's an expert in writing product listings for the marketplace you're looking at and get some help if you're looking at amazon i can obviously help you with this if you're looking for another marketplace um if you need help with this let me know and I'll see if I can find the right person for you um, and you will also need good product photography um, again you can do this yourself um, and maybe you feel like this is something that you can that you can do um, if not you can always use a photographer um, I have a blog post about taking your own um, photographs um, for using online and also an interview with a product photographer which I think will be a really good listen as well so that is it um, I don't mean to make it sound overly simplistic in fact I'm not even sure if I have um, this has turned out to be a much longer episode than I thought it would be um, and I'm sorry if I sound really out of breath as well I don't think I've talked this much for a really long time so I don't know if you can pick up there have been quite a few pauses where I've had to breathe a little bit um, but I know there are lots of steps but it is a process you can follow it along you can follow step by step you don't have to do the steps in this order I have um 
a product creation checklist, which might be really useful that outlines all of these steps. It's literally just a sheet that you can work through and tick things off as you do them. That might be really helpful. That's linked up in the show notes. Um, I've also in the show notes, I'm linking to all of the relevant podcast episodes that I've spoke about. Although to be honest with you, if you're at the beginning of your product creation journey, you're somewhere in this process, I would say the majority of episodes will be really helpful because when I speak to guests, often it's this stage that we that we focus on as well. Um, I also have some online courses specifically on product creation so one is just about the first bit so researching your idea and the second the full course takes you through the research stage and everything up until having your product ready to order I also offer product creation power hours where we can spend an hour on zoom together and you can ask me your questions or we can work through something together and whatever you need and this year I'm also launching one-to-one programs where we would meet every week and I would sort of go through the the process the next step in the process with you you would go off and actually do some work but you'd obviously have access to me in between calls and we basically work through creating your product together so if you're interested in any of those you can find more information on my website vickyweinberg.com also linked in the show notes um you can email me at vicky vicky at vickyweinberg.com and yeah i'm always really happy to hear from you always really happy to help you i hope you found this episode useful um if you have any suggestions for other things you'd like me to talk about, then of course just get in touch and let me know. And do remember to share this episode with your friends or anyone else you think would benefit from listening. So thank you so much and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do leave me a review. That really helps other people to find this podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and do tell your friends about it too if you think that they also might enjoy it. You can find me at vickyweinberg.com. There you'll find links to all of my social channels. You'll find lots more information, all of the past podcast episodes and lots of free resources too. So again, that's vickyweinberg.com. Take care, have a good week and see you next time. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.